Good morning, my friends. Welcome to today's episode of Happiness After Codependency. I'm Marshall Bertrand. I'm your guide. I'm coming back to knowing, loving, and being who you are, because that's how we achieve happiness after codependency. Happiness is a product of being ourselves in our most healthy, aligned way. So today, we are going to have another episode of Exposing the Codependent Fantasy. We are going to jump into kind of a complex topic about how the risk involved in the the, the risk is what creates the attraction and the adrenaline in the, and it contributes to the euphoria in codependent fantasy. So <clears throat> we're going to get into that. It's going to be kind of a free flow. I didn't write any notes down on this one. So bear with me a bit there. Before we do that, we're going to get, I need to get this shared out to the community here real quick. Community is your, is it your safe haven where you can find additional tools, guidance, and support in your journey and liberating yourself from codependency. The link is above on Facebook, below on YouTube. And if you're watching via YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hit that like, share this video out to people you know could benefit from it. And thank you guys for your support and helping me grow. We're almost 5,000 subscribers on on Facebook. We're over 12,000 on Instagram, 5,000 on uh, YouTube. So thank you guys for helping me grow there because you're the ones making that happen. So I appreciate it. So let's get this shared out real quick here. Boom and boom. All right. <clears throat> Wave. Say hi. Let me know that you're here in the comments below. And let me know your thoughts on today's topic. So again, that title is, it's the risk that creates the attraction. So in codependent dynamics, we live without things right we live with a neglect with an emptiness with a longing with a hunger we have also lived with an experience of intermittent reinforcement so what is intermittent reinforcement intermittent reinforcement another term for it's called breadcrumbing it's where we get a little bit of love a little bit of attention a little bit of connection with someone and then they're gone they withdraw it abuse can start in that just indifference they can they just with, withdraw themselves. They, they don't engage anymore. And then when they want something, you get a little bit more. And then they do the same cycle. They pull away, they abuse, they discard, they neglect, and then they do it again, give you a little bit more love and attention. And so what this does is it creates a seesaw emotionally. So for the codependent, what's going on is during the seduction and idealization phase, they experience euphoria. They're being doused with this experience of, of attention, affection, love, closeness, feeling seen, feeling valued, things of that nature. And that creates a chemical rush in the body of oxytocin, serotonin, dopamine, and then it's combined with adrenaline and cortisol. And that creates this thing that I call fear love. It's like, ah. It's intense, I want it, it's cool, but wow, I'm also terrified by it. Then when the, the relationship moves out of the, the seduction phase, it moves in what's, what I call abuse, some people call devaluing phase, and that's where the codependent starts to experience despair. So they move, or distress, so they move from euphoria into distress, where the anxiety, panic, what's going on, how do I fix this? How do I get it back to what it was before? That kind of thing. And then 
when the relationship cycle moves into the discard phase, the codependent experiences despair. This is an internal state of collapse. It's an emotional deflation. It's where they feel, uh, it's where the codependent actually starts to experience their big fear coming true. They're not lovable. They're not worthy. They're too much. They're too little. They truly aren't a valuable person. That's the emotional cycle. We're going from euphoria to distress to despair. And then when we get love bombed again, we get another breadcrumb, bam, right back up into euphoria. This cycle is genesis or created in the experience we have with parents and with peers. When we grow up neglected, we are not being adequately and nourished and fed in a consistent and reliable manner. So we learn to live with feast and a famine, intensity at both ends. Okay? And in this, we learn about risk. We connect risk with love. We connect risk with attraction. We connect risk with chemistry. And this is what drives us in the codependent dynamic. This is why we're attracted to people whom we can instinctively sense are unreliable. And that's where the risk is. We're used to unreliable people, people who we cannot count on to be consistent, cannot count on to be uh, responsive. We don't know what we're going to get. And when that's combined with love, we get a thrill out of it. We get a, a rush with it. And we call that attraction. It's like, ooh, what's going to happen next? Is it going to work this time? Am I going to get what I've been hoping for now? That's why we get into that part of why we get into the euphoric phase. It's because maybe I'm finally going to get it and it's going to be what I've always wanted. This is also why we're not attracted to people who are stable, consistent, reliable, warm, available. Because when a person's available, we're instinctively picking up on that. We don't have this big risk in us of like, oh, they're going to pull away. They're, they're going to do the hot, cold dance. We're, we're going to go through this hot, cold dance over and over, this pull me closer, push me away kind of thing. Nope, nope, they're there. They respect my boundaries. They're reliable in that. They take accountability. They have empathy. They're so kind. But there's no risk in that. So we don't feel a lot of attraction to that. This is our work, is to connect with the reality that when we feel attraction in our codependent phase, we've got to slow down and stop and start looking for where we feel the fear. Where are we fantasizing about what this might be for us and what fear are we ignoring in it? We got to connect back to that and go, you know, is this person actually being reliable? Am I projecting onto them what I hope they'll be for me? Am I anticipating them pulling away? I mean, consciously, we don't want this to happen, but in our nervous system and emotionally, this is what we're attuned to. We're attuned to the feast and to the famine. We're attuned to the intensity of euphoria and the intensity of despair. And we call that love, right? Only in a codependent sense or, you know, going through a toxic relationship, that's what we often come out of that going, oh, is that even love? It's not. Because love is consistent, it's warm, it's regular, it's kind, and it's stable. 
It's got a very stable rhythm. So we're not experiencing this adrenalization. Another thing we tend to do is we confuse adrenalization or intensity with passion. My experience post-codependency, passion has very little to do with adrenaline, with fear. It has more to do with interest and closeness and the adventure of just being uh, present and connected with another and wanting to know and be with them at a different, deeper level. So there's a warmth and a fulfillment in that kind of passion rather than this fear that drives this rush that we get because there's always the risk of it not working. And that's what we have to work on. We have to acknowledge that I'm expecting the risk and the risk helps create this adrenaline, this intensity that creates that euphoria and that distress and that despair. If I can move from seeking risk into seeking stability, seeking consistency, seeking what might actually feel boring at first, but is also warm, kind, and fulfilling, then we're going to be able to evolve our picker. Our nervous system basically is our picker. The nervous system starts to sense into and recognize healthy, stable people. And it's also going to tell you, hey, that, that person's exciting, man. Feeling that rush, that, ooh, that, that risk. Sorry about hitting the mic there. And I want that. That's your red flag. That's where you stop. That's, that's the line in the sand. It's like, nope, not there. Then we go over here. We go this direction. It's like, what is warm? What is consistent? What is stable? Do they show up with what I call the eight relationship bare minimums? Do they respect my boundaries? Are they reliable in that? Or do they take a, uh, take a, <laughs> do they take accountability? Do they respect privacy? Do they have integrity? Do they have practice war, uh, acceptance of me? Are they receiving of me? Do they uh, practice warm regard towards me? And do they empathize? Uh, and do they empathize? Do they express empathy for the impact uh, I experience? from their behaviors. Those eight relationship bare minimums are what allow you to detect a person that's coming from a premise of maturity, a premise of safety, and a premise of respect. They have to be behaviors. This is not something we go in and tell somebody, hey, you know, I'm getting to know you. I really like integrity. I really like accountability. No, this isn't something we tell someone we want. It's something we observe for we watch for as we get to know them and see if they demonstrate this in their pattern of behavior if it's a pattern of behavior you can predict it if you can predict it you can tell what's going to come down the road with a person that allows you to determine if they're safe for you or not and if they're showing up with those eight relationship bare minimums in a consistent way that is a person that is going to be at a minimum behaving in safe ways they may not necessarily be compatible with you, but they at least they're coming from a healthy foundation. So I want to check the comments out here. Hey, Mary, nice to see you. <clears throat> yes, I love healthy, stable people. No, they're the best. Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, I made that shift from the adrenaline-seeking, risk-based relating that got me the euphoria, but also got me that despair and all that chaotic cycle of seduction, abuse, and discard, and got connected to experiencing the presence and warmth of stable healthy, consistent individuals 
my whole world. I was able to rest. I was able to sleep. The, the color came back into life. And I got to know what real love is. Because real love doesn't leave us longing for more. It actually leaves us fulfilled, satisfied, soft, connected. Because we're not dealing with lack anymore. We're making the transition from living with emptiness into living with fullness and developing that sense of presence and consistency in that. That's the magic there. So yes, Mary, behaviors are everything and patterns of healthy foundations. Absolutely. Because you're looking for patterns of behavior, patterns of impact, patterns of result, and that's going to tell you what you're going to get with that individual. So my friends, risk-seeking, seeking the adrenaline, the intensity, and confusing that with attraction and with love and with chemistry is going to be one of the more challenging aspects of your healing journey and teasing those things apart. What is real love? What is real chemistry? What is real attraction? Some ba basic guidelines to follow. Real love is warm, consistent, stable, and it does not cause you to lose yourself. It keeps you grounded in your body, grounded in yourself, keeps you curious. Healthy attraction doesn't come with fear. It comes with curiosity. It comes with playfulness. It comes with an openness with it. It's fun. It's, 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 uh, it's energizing, but you're not like gripped in these sensations of tension in the body. Um, maybe subconscious fears like are they going to abandon me or is this going to happen is that going to happen it's not feeding a lot of fantasy either it's more grounded in reality like this is who i'm seeing who they are i find them really interesting and attractive they're really cool but we're being very objective about it so and then real chemistry is a stable experience of understanding feeling seen feeling valued feeling like you're heard, like they get you, while also not having the fear. One thing I have consistently found in my dating experience is if fear showed up, I needed to pay a lot of attention to it so I could understand what it is trying to tell me. Now there is, there's going to be fear in dating, and there's two kinds of things we've got to look at here. So fear, fear based on losing them, thus losing ourselves. Okay, so in codependency, we enmesh ourselves with people, uh, places, and things in order to derive identity and value from that. That fear pops up in that enmeshment. It's like, well, if they don't love me, then what does that mean about me? What happens to my value? What happens to my worth? Things of that nature start to pop up. Now, a rational fear in dating would be like, yeah, this might hurt. I might like the person, they might reject me, and that would suck. That's a very different fear. That's a practical fear based on reality that dating is kind of that way. It just kind of sucks sometimes. It's a game of no until you can only say yes to the person, that kind of thing. So different kinds of fear, and we want to be paying attention to that. Because when I found myself having fear towards people that I was dating where I thought like, you know, what does it mean if they leave me or they don't like me or they don't love me? That tells me I'm enmeshing with them. I'm coming from a more undeveloped sense of self and need to get myself boundaried and care for myself because I'm banking on that game of risk. That's where the adrenaline starts to come in. But where I found myself fearing like, you know, it would be suck if they didn't like me or if this 
this didn't work, but I'm okay with me. I like me. I'm grounded in my person, my value, my, my life. Well, then we're good to go. That's a rational, understandable fear because you're getting to know something that's unknown. So those are kind of the differences that we're looking for as we journey out into the world of relationship. And this applies not just to romantic relationships. This applies to therapeutic relationships, coaching relationships. This applies to business relationships, platonic and familial relationships. I tend to put everyone on the same premise. How does my body feel when you're in my yard? If they, it's not a happy thing for me, I'm going to move you out of my yard. <laughs> that's, that's how I relate to those things. I'm listening to my fear, my sense of safety, my gut instinct. Am I enjoying this or not? Is it adding to my well-being and happiness? That kind of thing. So, my friends, when we're out there doing this stuff, when we are in the adventure of getting to know ourselves and knowing others, be mindful of that risk factor, the adrenaline, the intensity, the euphoria. These are red flags. You are outside your well-being and your safety by pursuing that direction. Instead, seek for what feels stable, calming, regulating, kind and warm, maybe just a touch boring at first because it doesn't have these big euphoric intense things. Seek that out. Learn how to connect with people that bring that into your world and discover what that feels like to have that in your world. Allow yourself to expand into that awareness, into that knowledge, and, and into the experience of presence of safe, secure people. So that is the work here, my friends. Thank you for being here. Thank you for the comments, Mary. Thank you, Pam. Good to see you. <clears throat> Hi, Melissa. I see you too. Yeah, just a touch of boring. We're technically going to feel like this is boring at first because we don't have that adrenaline. We don't have the adrenaline because there's not a big risk going on. That's, that's the key there. But then we start to experience something different than boringness. We, boredom is, is the gateway to creativity, to play, to curiosity, to adventure that is fun, fulfilling, and largely safe. Like, we're going to take some risks. We all have to take risks, but we're taking calculated, deliberate risks rather than just flinging ourselves out into the field and seeing what happens. We're being more deliberate because we're more conscious and more respectful of our safety and our well-being. So that's how we make adventure. Adventure, I guess. There, Yeah. All right. Thank you again, guys, for being here. Thank you for sharing my work out there. Again, if you're watching YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, share this out. People you know benefit from it. Go gently with yourselves in this work. And then I will see you guys next week as I begin to get back into the regular routine and schedule. I've been doing a lot of development on the upcoming Happiness After Codependency system. And then some new offerings will be coming out next week as well. So if you want to do the work with me, you want to do the work of healing and transitioning from codependency to that well-being and happiness you deserve in your life, watch out for these offers. They're going to be coming out starting next week. Thank you again. Go gently with yourselves, my friends, and I will see you in our next episode. Bye-bye.